0: Welcome to River City Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co. Uh, tonight we're going to be doing a message called Unhealthy. Uh, and so Unhealthy, we're going to talk about uh, finding healing in areas of uh, of personal, spiritual, emotional woundedness. And I believe that wherever we hurt, God has the answer to heal. Uh, Wherever we're bound, God has the answer to free us. Uh, Wherever we need God's help, where we need strength, God is the answer. He has what we need. Uh, And I want us to start tonight in Exodus 15. Exodus 15, uh, beginning in verse 22. Exodus 15. Uh, We're going to look at a couple passages. I woke up this morning, the Lord woke me up with this whole message, kind of just download this whole thing, and, and I really feel like for, you know, many of us, if not most of us, there's areas that God wants to bring greater healing, wholeness, freedom Uh, and cause us to move forward. And so we're going to start with Exodus 15. This is the story, just to set some context. Uh, Israel has just got out of Egypt. The Israelites have been set free from four centuries of slavery, slaves in Egypt uh, for generations. That's all they've ever known. Uh, And so ever since the generation of Joseph, they've lived in Egypt, and initially they lived free, then they became bound. Uh, And while they spent generations there, they cried out for a deliverer. God sent Moses, and then by God's power, He delivered them out of Egypt, uh, and then he brought them through the Red Sea, which many of you may know that story. Uh, But right after the Red Sea, they encountered their first need uh, in the desert, in the wilderness. Here's what it says, Exodus 15, verse 22, "'So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water.'" For three days in the desert, they found no water.'" Now, when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara. Mara's name means bitter. Here's what it says for they were bitter, therefore, they called its name Mara. That's why they named it that. The waters were uh, bitter to the taste and unable to, they could not, uh, it wasn't healthy to drink. And so, you know, it's really bad when you're thirsty and the only source of water is actually harmful for you. Uh, and so, you know, they, they say for people who are lost at sea, shipwrecked, uh, there's, there's kind of this danger point where you become so desperate that you're tempted to drink the salt water, which can actually dehydrate you worse and even kill you. Uh, and so there's this this temptation in life that sometimes we draw on things that are actually harmful for us instead of life-giving. Now, here's where they're at. They need water, but all they have is bitter waters. The people complain against Moses, said, what are we going to drink? And so he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he cast it into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. God healed the waters. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them, and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments and keep His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which were brought on which I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. This is where we get Jehovah Rapha, the name, the Lord that heals you. Verse 27 Then they came to a place called Elim, and there were 12 wells of water. It's much better than Mara. Uh, there's 12 wells of water, 70 palm trees. It sounds like a vacation destination. So they camped there by the water. So before they get to this oasis called Elim, they're in a place called Mara before they found a place of abundance, a place of prosperity, a place that they had everything they needed, that was healthy and life-giving, they had to first find healing at Mara, that what was what was bitter waters that they could not draw life from had to be healed. And when we look at this, God wants to heal the wounded areas of our life. Our lives oftentimes have, have, if not our whole life, there are parts of our life, maybe our our, our spiritual life, our emotional life, our relationships. uh, There's areas where we become wounded, and there's even bitterness that takes place, and God always wants to heal us. He wants to heal us where we're wounded. He wants to heal us where we're hurting, he wants to be our comforter, bitter wounds must be healed. I call this message unhealthy and I just, you know, have to say this, you know, unhealthy families first have unhealthy parents. Uh, unhealthy communities first have unhealthy households uh, unhealthy uh, children often have unhealthy marriages that are around them and uh, unhealthy churches have unhealthy pastors there's just something in life that a that we carry where we're sometimes not always a product or affected by our environment and so it's it's been said that hurt people hurt people wounded people wound people and there 's just this reality of going through life that we have to learn how to get healthy when we need it, that healthy, uh, healthiness is the purpose and will of God. So I want to address a few of these. First is, of course, spiritual health, uh, which is of, of huge importance, and I, I believe that it affects every other area of my life. When I'm spiritually unhealthy, it affects my marriage, it affects my, the way I treat people, it affects the way I live my life, the way I uh, walk in integrity or don't, that everything is an overflow of my spiritual health or unhealth. And so it starts there. And of course, to be spiritually healthy, I have to have a relationship with God. I have to re- have a relationship with the God who's created me, who's created me to be free, who's created me to be whole. Uh, I'm also, and this is something that I think sometimes gets overlooked, is that we need to be emotionally healthy. Uh, and, and, you know, God, it, this is something we think that somehow emotions are bad. You know, God actually has emotions. You see it all throughout the Bible. God has emotions. He's created us in his image. We have emotions. That's not a bad thing. But the, the, when it's unhealthy is usually expressed one of two ways. Uh, unhealthy, an unhealthy emotional life is usually comes like this. Emotions control me or I control through emotions. And so if I'm emotionally unhealthy, it usually comes out in one of these two ways, uh, that that either I'm being controlled by my emotions or I am trying to influence and control others through emotions. And that's, you know, you see this when somebody is uh, tries to get their way and, and in their environment through, uh, you know, outbursts of anger, and so uh, that, that's the only way they can get, you know, the people around them to do what they want them to do is, you know, I'm going to lose my temper and get upset, and so so that becomes emotionally unhealthy, and, you know, when an area of my life is wounded and hurt, you know, it's kind of like uh, I just... Actually, yesterday, I, I, I injured one of my, my fingers on my hand. I thought I broke one of my fingers, but instead of breaking it, I think I just sprained it. And every t- I'm reminded of it every time I do something that affects it. So this this happened, I think, a little over a year ago. Um, when I first moved here, I was working a couple different jobs. And one of them, in between my jobs, I was uh, a little tired. And I had this, like, uh, I was going out of my garage in my house in a hurry. And I, this if anybody's squeamish, just plug your ears for a moment. Uh, and so I go to close my garage door. My, my garage door is only manual at our house here. And so I go to close my garage door, and I make the mistake because I'm tired, and I'm, I'm in between these two jobs. I grab my door with my hand, and I pull it down to try to, and not realizing that I've literally closed the my one of my fingers in between the slats of my metal door. And so... <laughs> And so I close this, and I, I literally thought I, you know, cut my finger off. That's, that's, that's what I thought. Uh, and so the pain was so excruciating, uh, and I, I hurriedly open the door. I, I run inside, and I'm kind of trying to, you know, figure out, trying to nurse this. And I'm obviously in pain. My daughter sees me, and she sees that I'm in pain. And she sees that I'm in so much pain that she starts crying. And then I find myself comforting my six, at the time, six-year-old daughter, even though I'm the one that nearly cut my finger off. I'm like, it's okay, daddy's okay. You oh, know, I'm, I'm trying to get my wife, you get, get know, <laughs> comfort her. I can't comfort her right now. I'm hurting. <laughs> this And so, uh, and, and later that day, I had to, uh, part of my job that day was I was moving um, these heavy It was a a motor oil, I think it was. It was big old five-gallon jugs of motor oil. And so I'm moving them, and uh, where I was working, you could hear me in the back of this place. Every time I would lift the motor oil, you could hear the pain uh, coming, wincing from my voice. (laughs) Go, oh, as I'm lifting these these, uh, big jars or containers of motor oil. So anyway, uh, I I say all that to say that when you have wounded areas of your life, there's an over-the-top reaction. There's an over-the-top response that sometimes is even disproportionate. So, if, you know, it, it's kind of like if, if, you know, just somebody bumped into an injured area in my hand or, you know, one of my kids t- grabbed my finger or grabbed my hand or something and, and I'd react in pain, it's not because of what they just did, it's because of an injury that hasn't healed yet. Does that make sense? And, and why that's important is that when there's areas in my spiritual and emotional life that are still unhealthy or haven't been healed, I will always bleed over people that didn't cut me. It'll affect my relationships today, and it has nothing to do with what they're doing today. It has everything to do with what's still unhealed from yesterday. A heavy way to start the message, but I think it's important that we recognize God wants us whole. He wants us healed. He wants us physically whole. He wants us, you know, and this, I even added this, and, you know, sometimes in, we have unhealthy areas, even in our finances, you know, we, we have, I don't know if you've ever been like this, uh, you know, there's, there's people that sometimes have this approach, like, I'm going to spend, and then just, the only time I ever check my bank account is to see if there's any money left, see if I can spend more. Are, are you with me? They haven't learned to budget. They don't, okay, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church tonight. <laughs> okay, so so uh, we have relationship stuff that has to be whole. We have areas that are relationally unhealthy. So I want to I give you this verse. Uh, it's in 3 John 1, 2. It says, Blessed, uh, beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So, the Apostle John's writing to the church, and he says, you know, I, 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 he's calling them beloved. He says, I, I love you as, as a spiritual father to, my, to the church, the body of Christ. My brothers and sisters, he says, I'm praying for you that you're healthy, that you're strong, that you're blessed, that you're prosperous. And not only that you prosper outwardly, but you prosper as your soul prospers. So, so God wants us in every area of our life. What does it mean to prosper? That's, that's a word that's actually become like a negative thing. And it, it, if you take it back to the Old Testament, the Hebrew idea, it's actually found in Psalm 68, verse 5. It says that God's a father of the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. Aren't you glad for that? That God's, God's with us when nobody else is. God's, God's what we need when everybody else is gone or, or something's, you know, taken. So, so God, is, this is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. So nobody should ever be alone. That's actually, the body of Christ is, the church is a family. So we don't ever have to be alone because we have God's family, God's people. He says the solitary in families. He brings those who are bound into prosperity. This is the Hebrew word, salak. And salag literally means, if you boil it down to its, its core definition, it means to move forward. So when when the Bible's letting us know God wants to prosper you, it's to say, God wants you to move forward in every area of your life. And if I'm not moving forward in that area, I'm not prospering. Are you with me? If my spiritual life is not moving forward, I'm not growing. And and it's just, it's it's... A principle of creation that what's healthy grows. When I'm not healthy, there isn't growth. When my spiritual life isn't healthy, when I'm not in the Word, I'm not praying, I'm not spending time with Jesus, I'm not, 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 not you know, using what God's placed in my life, freely giving away, all those things. When, when my spiritual life is not healthy, I'm not growing. And oftentimes, I can diagnose that something's not healthy because I haven't grown. And it's the same in my emotions. When I'm, when I'm emotionally locked up or I'm stuck in, in an unhealthy or wounded place, God wants me and all of us to move forward. He wants us to move forward. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, this is what it says. Therefore, strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. Knows if you're discouraged... Get back up. If you're if you're if you're weary, if you're burdened down, if if whatever it is, he says, get back up and make straight the paths for your feet, so that what is lame or or non functional in your life may not be dislocated, but rather be whole. So he's he he's writing in Hebrews to a group of people. I preached a whole series last month on the book of Hebrews. He was writing to people who were going through a difficult season. He's saying, Guys, stay strong in your faith. Stay strong in your faith with Jesus. Stay close to God. Remember the fundamentals. You know, he's he's pointing to all of that as we saw. But he's reminding them here in this verse, he says, guys, where there's disconnect, there's things that are non-functioning. He says, make sure they're working. If I've got a, a limb out of joint, I've got to get it popped back into place for it to work properly. And in my life, if there's an area that's unhealthy, God wants to deal with it, not because he's unloving or unkind. In fact, it's his love that says, let's work on what you're avoiding. It's God's love that that doesn't let me move past the woundedness, but makes me deal with it so that I can get free of it. See, the world tells you to manage your wounds, but God wants to heal your wounds. He wants to make you whole. So, you know, sometimes we, even just in life, we... I see this all the time. People use all kinds of things to medicate their wounded places, their wounded areas of their life, instead of finding healing. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we try to fill our life with things that can't satisfy or that come to numb the pain or distract us. It used to just be that people use drugs and alcohol to numb and medicate, but I think it's even more than that. We use Netflix to medicate. We, we use whatever it is, you know, I, that, that rather than deal with areas that are unhealthy, I'm going to go play 10 hours of video games. Rather than deal with things that are unhealthy, I'm going to go, you know, disconnect from my family. Whatever it is, there's all kinds of things that we do to avoid finding healing, and I'm saying today that God wants to bring healing to the areas that we've tried to medicate. All the, those things just mask, but they don't heal. Things that we pick at, <laughs> again, sorry, I didn't warn anybody that if you're squeamish tonight, you know, one of the things I had to teach my kids when they were little is if you've got a scab, don't pick it. I know it's super deep tonight. <laughs> Why? Because it can get infected. It won't heal properly. It takes longer to heal. It can leave a scar. And that's what happens when, I, I, I find this in pastoring in 17 years, people keep picking at things, they keep going over old history, they keep going over broken areas, rather than bringing them to Jesus, God wants to take all of our brokenness and be real with him, not pretend like we've got it all together, but say, God, I need your help. And we bring it to God. Last week I talked about that. Reveal it, God will heal it. Bring it to Jesus, and he brings wholeness and freedom. Rather than avoiding it, rather than bearing it, we bring it to Jesus. You know, I, b- I believe in spiritual warfare. I've, I could tell you all kinds of interesting stories about dealing with overcoming demonic stuff, seeing people delivered from demons, all of that. Do you know you can't cast out a wound and you can't heal a demon? <laughs> There's a difference. So, so when you're dealing with a spiritual, you know, Bob talks about things like the spirit of fear. When you're dealing with that, you exercise authority in Jesus' name. I I think there's when we're dealing with wounds, we have to know how to find healing. Because if we don't, we're rebuking things that we need healing from, and we're trying to nurse and heal things that we actually need to rebuke. Okay. So so I, I let's go down to Hebrews twelve verse fifteen. He then, as he says, you know. Be healed, don't let it areas be disconnected, disjointed, find healing. Verse 15, look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, unless any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So, so why do we need healing? Well, it's not just about us, it's about everybody else that we affect, too. See, when I don't have when I have areas that are unhealed in my life, it becomes like a filter. And everything in my life goes through that filter. So, so rather than being able to be life-giving to the people around me, I'm actually looking at life through a wounded place, and I begin to hurt other people, or reject other people, or or try to control other people, not not because of anything even necessarily that they've done, but because I'm looking at life through a. It's like looking at a shattered mirror. It doesn't give a complete picture. And that's why we need healing because what we don't deal with will affect other people. And here he specifically deals with bitterness. He says, if you don't deal with bitterness, if you don't, deal, if you don't get healing, you don't find freedom from this, it can defile many. Healing is not automatic. We have this phrase in, in our culture that time heals all wounds. I don't think that's true. In fact, I know it's not true. Time causes us to Not feel the full weight of certain things, manage it, but time doesn't heal it. Only Jesus can heal it. Isaiah 53 is the great prophetic promise of Jesus the Messiah. I gave that Sunday during communion. And here's what it says that he was wounded for our transgressions, he took our sin, he took our shame. And he died on the cross for that shame and for that sin, paying the price for our sins. And it says the chastisement necessary for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes or his wounds, we are healed, made whole. The word for peace in Hebrew is the word shalom. It's a word that means wholeness in every part. Peace is more than just I feel better. It means I'm whole. It's very different. We look at peace as the absence of conflict. God looks at peace as wholeness. And if I don't have wholeness yet, I don't have the peace that God intends for me to have. Wholeness in every part. Jesus paid the price for us to have peace, and by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus is the answer for our healing. Now, of course, that applies to every area of healing. The, this is the basis for us praying for the sick and those that are hurting and those that are in need. And and when we see God move in answer to prayer, we've had testimonies of miracles in this very room, people who've been healed physically in their body. That's The basis of that isn't how spiritual any of us are, it's the promise that with his stripes we're healed. Jesus died on a cross, paid a price, and made it possible for us all to experience wholeness. And it's also true, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually, that God wants to make us whole. Let's look at a story in the, in the Old Testament to illustrate this. And I'm going to give you three simple points tonight. Second Kings 2. Verse 19 um, Elisha has taken over for Elijah. I tried to emphasize that to distinguish him. Elijah's the senior. He goes to heaven, leaves behind his mantle, and Elisha takes it up and carries it forward to the next generation. And as Elisha is now the prophet of Israel, the first place he goes is a place called Jericho. And you might know Jericho because of the story of uh, Joshua generations before where they marched around the walls and the walls of Jericho fell. And Joshua actually made a declaration because the city of Jericho belonged to the Lord. And Joshua made a declaration over that place that nobody would rebuild that city. And if they did rebuild that city, they would be under a curse. And that's actually what happened. For generations, they experienced the effect of that. And 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 here's where Elisha finds himself in Eli- uh, uh, 2 Kings 2:19. Then the men of his, of the city Jericho said to Elisha, "Please notice the situation of this city. It's pleasant. In other words, we've got a great city, we've got great real estate. <laughs> we have everything we need. It's beautiful territory, you know. But but here's the problem. Something's wrong. The water's bad. You can have." everything else look great but if the thing you need to sustain life there is unhealthy or toxic you can't live there so it doesn't it just doesn't matter you know if if uh so when i was in college i left a chalupa in my trunk <laughs> and it took me about a month to realize where the smell was coming from, I know. thank God Jenna is in my life, and she would have caught it a lot sooner. She would have prevented the chalupa but but here's here's the point i 'm sitting in this car, and i 'm noticing something ain 't right. <laughs> Something ain't right. Anytime somebody else in my car, what's that smell? And I'm trying to figure it out. I'm looking under the seas. I'm looking everywhere, not realizing that I've not only left it in my trunk, but I actually had stuck it. I don't know why. This is my brain in college. I stuck it in my pocket, and then I threw my jacket, which was actually something in, I was in Phoenix, Arizona, Some of you know where I came from. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and oddly enough, we didn't have much use for jackets in Phoenix, Arizona, unlike Here. And so I left my jacket in the trunk with the chalupa under the blazing sun. Needless to say, it wasn't a good situation. And so the answer was I had to deal with the source of that really bad smell in my car. And here's where they're at. The situation's pleasant, but the water's bad. And the ground's barren. So Elisha says, we're going to deal with this. We're going to get to the source of the issue. We're not going to manage it. We're not going to avoid it. We're not going to pretend like it's not a problem. We're going to go directly to the source. And he said, bring me a new bowl and put some salt in it. So they brought it to him. And then he went out to the source of the water. And he cast the salt in there, and he said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water, and from it there shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this very day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. So the city, for generations, has lived under the effects of barrenness and unfruitfulness and a toxic water source and all of this, but they had a spiritual problem, not just a natural problem, and so required dealing with it at the source, and, and I want to give you a few points from this story. Number one, we've got to get to the heart of the matter. See, when I was trying to deal with my nasty month-old chalupa in my car, <laughs> I tried the little tree air freshener. You know what I'm talking about? Like the... the supposed to be like alpine scent or lemon fresh. But it really just smells like a chemical, you know. So I had that sitting on my, and oddly enough, it didn't cover the, it didn't get rid of the smell. It just added a new smell. <laughs> so now I smell spoiled rotten chalupa and that. And so the only answer is I had to go find it and get it out. I had to go to the source of the problem. And Elisha goes to the source of where the water Is becoming toxic. He has to go to the source of the problem. And that's how the Word of God and the Holy Spirit coming together work in our lives. God identifies for us, here's where the problem is. The problem is unforgiveness. The problem is bitterness. The problem is allowing fear to take root. The problem is a wound that you've carried. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit begins to bring light to that We've got to allow him to bring the answer to the source. We've got to go to the source of the problem. We can't avoid it. In fact, you know what I've, I, I've found a lot of times, there's other issues I'm trying to deal with, but they're not the real problem. So, so, you know, maybe somebody's dealing with anger, but it's not just the emotion of anger and the way they're treating the people around them, but there's something they're not dealing with deep down on the inside. Number two, he asked for a new bowl. He says, bring me a new bowl. And, and my point for, for you here is, did I give you number one? Get to the heart of the matter. you got to go to the source of the problem. Get to the heart of the matter. Then, two, we've got to apply new bowls or new methods for old problems. It's been said that if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. And, and that's just True. Most people want things in their life to change, but it requires change. (laughs) And if what I'm doing isn't working, sometimes I've got to be willing to allow God to do something new in my life. I've got to go get the new bowl. I've got to stop trying to figure it out, doing things the way I've always done them. Because what happened before didn't work, otherwise I wouldn't need help. Can I be honest? That's sometimes a hard reality to to admit. That what I'm trying isn't working, so I need to do it God's way. What I'm trying in my marriage isn't working, so I need to do it God's way. What I'm trying in this relationship or that relationship or in my workplace or in my finances or in my spiritual life or how I'm dealing with my emotions, whatever it is, wherever the wound or the unhealthy area is, if what I'm doing isn't working, I've got to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit and God's Word to bring truth to that. And sometimes, he's going to rearrange some things. In fact, I'll say often. <laughs> He'll start arra- rearranging things. When I when I first got, my wife and I first got married almost 15 years ago, I, I found out that uh, one of the first things to happen in my life was uh, we were going to Go through my wardrobe, <laughs> and some things that I I used to have were no longer going to be a part of my wardrobe. <laughs> and and at first I, I I had a hard time with that, like I really like these jorts. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that you know, and, and, and so I would you know try to defend it and be like, well well you know this is honey, this is why you were attracted to me. She says, no, I overlooked all of this. I had to look past this. But, but here's, here's the point. Sometimes we have to allow change to happen. It's necessary. One of the things that you have when you get married is you have a mother-in-law. Anybody have a mother-in-law? I love my mother-in-law. They go to church here. And uh, one of the, one of the things I, I learned when my mother-in-law would come and stay with us in Arizona is my wife would have all these plans of things we were going to rearrange in our living room. And as soon as Iran was in town, they were going to redecorate, which usually meant shopping. And, and that's fine. I'm I'm okay with most of that. But the, the problem I had was whatever they were buying, I was going to probably, like, if they bought pictures, I'm going to have to hang the pictures. So there's going to be some change happening. And so I would kind of fight it, like, Like, I had a vote in the matter. Anyway, I got vetoed. But the the point is, God wants to rearrange some things because he sees what's unhealthy, and he sees where we need help. And when we're willing to allow him to be Lord, allow him to rearrange things and put things in order, things that are not in order don't work. When things are in order, and order starts with God first. When God's first in my life, everything else begins to work the way he's designed it and intended it to be. And that involves how I relate to other people too. Jason, if you and the team want to get ready. It affects how I relate to people. It affects how I treat people. Romans, Romans 12, I'll just read you this one part for time. Romans twelve eighteen. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, don't avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it says, vengeance is mine, our pace is the Lord. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, I think if the last day's church would just get this, in addition to all the other stuff we're doing, we could see a whole lot of people saved. <laughs> but... but, but. Sometimes how we relate to people, we relate out of woundedness instead of healing. When I'm whole, I can be life-giving to others. When I have my relationships set in order and God's first, he's the one directing the way I treat people. He's the one directing how I relate to other people. The third point is change the input. So what does he do? He gets a new bowl. Not a bowl that's been used before, but a new bowl. And then he puts salt in it. Now, I, there's, of course, it's a prophetic act, all of this. It's not that it's just, you know, a natural cure for the, but he's doing a prophetic act, and he declares the word of the Lord that heals the waters. But here's what I want you to catch. He, cha- he puts something new in the water. And there's this principle in the word of God that we can kick at, we can fight at, but I think it's what affects just about every area of our life. It's found in Galatians chapter 6. I'm almost done. And then we're going to pray. Galatians 6 is this, verse 7. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever a man sows or plants, inputs, he also reaps. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So when I'm unhealthy, I blame others. When I'm unhealthy, I don't deal with my, and own my side of the responsibility. And I can blame people, and honestly, I can even blame God. But nothing will change until I change what I'm sowing. I can get upset about the harvest that I have in my life. I can get upset about what I'm reaping in my life, but I need to change the input. Okay. It's it's quiet in here, Pastor Jason, tonight. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can pray for you in this way, but I want, it, I want us to catch this. I wasn't talking about the guitar. I was talking about, okay. When we change what we sow, I figured I'd clarify that. Uh, when I change what I sow, I change what I reap. When I sow to the flesh, I'm going to reap from the flesh. And so this is why I think a lot of people don't find healing They're dealing with the harvest of negative emotions, the harvest of spiritual brokenness, the harvest of broken relationships, all of these things, but we're not changing what we're sowing. When I'm in God's word, I'm sowing seed. When I'm praying, I'm sowing seed in my life. When I'm I'm blessing other people, I'm sowing seed. When I'm listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, instead of leaning on my own understanding, I'm sowing seed. Seed. I'm changing what I'm going to reap. This is so important, church. The last one, I I said three points. There's a fourth point. This is the last one. The waters remained healed to this very day. It said, as of the time of the writing. And we need to not only get whole and be healed. We need to stay whole. And the way we stay whole, this is so important. The things that got you healthy, you need to keep applying to stay healthy. So sometimes early in our walk with Jesus, we spend a lot of time in the Word of God. We spend a lot of time in prayer. But over time, we start letting down certain things that once got us to where we needed to be. We, we stopped staying healthy and, and stuff that we easily overcame now is creeping up again. So God doesn't just want to heal us. He wants wants us to stay whole. Let me pray for you. Would you stand to your feet? We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co.